0: Thank you. I don't know how he got them pictures, but uh, I wasn't expecting that. But uh, I will will get even with him at some point in this teaching today. I promise you that. We are in the fourth week of an eight-week series called Life's Healing Choices. And before we move forward here, I just want to take a few steps backwards and I just want to kind of review where we've been so far. And I think we can sum up the first three weeks, the first three choices of this study in three short phrases. I can't, God can, let Him. I think it's that simple. Week one was I can't. And that's what we called the reality choice. I realize I am not God. That was news for a few of us. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. I can't. Week two was God can. And that's what we called the hope choice. It says I earnestly believe that God exists. That I matter to Him and that He has the power to help me change. So I can't. God can Week three, let Him. That's what we call the commitment choice. That's what Chris talked about last week. And here's what that says. I consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Let Him. Let go and let God. That's what that means. Let go and let God. You say, well, how do I let God? What the heck does that mean? How do I let God make the changes in my life that he wants to make in my life. And that's what leads us to the fourth choice. That's what we're going to talk about today. And this fourth choice is probably the toughest choice out of any of them. So I really thanked Chris when he let me do the teaching on this one. Because this is a tough choice. And it is, as he said, called the house cleaning choice. Now it is a little bit ironic, I guess, that I'm teaching on house cleaning you might as well have Bernie Madoff teach on the investment choice or Bob Knight teach on the anger management choice. <laughs> Me teaching the house cleaning choice. And I'm going to confess something right now. I don't clean my house. Whew. Got that off my chest. This is a good campaign. I don't clean my house. But I've got a daughter <laughs> who needs gas money. So so it's not like I have a filthy house or anything like that. I've just learned that if you don't cook, you don't have to do dishes. If you don't make a mess, you don't have to clean. But of course in life, we, we all make messes out of something. We've all done something messy in our lives. And before we get into this, I just want to say... Let's be honest with each other here. Because all of us have failed. All of us have fallen short and missed the mark. All of us have sinned. Nobody's perfect, except my daughter Courtney. Except for her, none of the rest of us are perfect. And the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And that's Romans 3, verse 23. The fourth choice is called the house cleaning choice. And it says, I openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Now you're going hold on a minute. Hang on here for a second. I didn't sign up for any of this kind of stuff. To admit something to myself, well that's easy. To admit it to God, well it's not like he doesn't already know it. But I'm not about to just bare my soul for everyone else to see. And nobody's asking you to do that. God's not even asking you to do that. But He is asking you to be honest. God is asking us for honesty. To be honest with Him and with ourselves and with the people that are around us. And it's because freedom is impossible without honesty. The Bible says in John 8, verse 32, When you know the truth, it will set you free. In other words, truth is the cost of freedom. But freedom is the reward of truth. Freedom is the reward of honesty. And if you want to be free from all the stuff that you're carrying around in your lives, all the mess that we've got, it begins with being honest with ourselves, with God, And with the people that are around us. So this week in our small groups, we're going to be talking about this whole idea of examining ourselves. Taking a moral or personal inventory. The whole idea of confessing things to God, to ourselves, and and to somebody else. So I'm not going to talk about that very much today because that's what the small groups are going to be about. That's what you're reading if you're following along right now in the book, Life's Healing Choices. That's what you're reading about. In the small group DVDs, they're going to be talking about what it's like to be free from guilt and to live with a clear conscience. Now wouldn't that be incredible? What would it be like to completely be free from guilt and to be able to live with a clear conscience? And that's what small groups are going to be about. Now my purpose this weekend is to help bring you hope and courage to take the next steps to move forward. To see how things can be, to see how things will be, and in a very real sense to see how things actually are right now. And I want to help us understand maybe in ways that we've never understood before just how deeply God loves you. That is that is very important because this whole idea, when this whole issue of honesty starts to come up in our lives, some of us get scared and we get kind of afraid. I don't want to get into this. This is painful. I don't want to do this. But the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And I believe that whenever I'm afraid of the truth, and if you're afraid of the truth, it's because we don't fully understand how much God loves us. If we really understood the depths of His love, there would be absolutely nothing to be afraid of. So I want to talk about that today. And in order to do that, we're going to look at the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. The things that Jesus taught us. We've been assigned a Beatitude for every teaching, every week of this, of this series. And the Beatitude this week is the fourth Beatitude. And it's in Matthew 5, verse 8. And it says, Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The first thing I want you to notice is what it doesn't say. It does not say, Happy are the religious in heart. It says, Happy are the pure in heart. Some of the most unhappy, sorry mouthed people I know are religious in heart, they're miserable. They won't be happy until everyone else is as miserable as they are. And everybody knows people like that. We've all seen and met people like that. Their whole life's a bunch of rules. And they all start with don't. They want you to believe that the Christian life is don't, don't. No, no. They want you to think that that is what life in Christ is all about. But that's not what life in Christ is all about. The Christian life is not about don't. It's about do. It's not about can't. It's about can. The Christian life is not about no. The Christian life is about yes. Jesus said, I have come in order that you might have life. Life in all its fullness. That's John 10, verse 10. Not that you might have religion, but that you might have life. Jesus doesn't want me to be religious. Jesus wants me to be real. And that's your first fill-in for the day. Jesus doesn't want me to be religious. He wants me to be real. Happy are the pure in heart, not the religious in heart. Now in John 11, it tells about the time when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And I hope most of you are somewhat familiar with this story, because I want to look at this for a minute. Because there's truth here that I think that we all need to discover. Remember, the Bible doesn't just tell us the things that God did, but it tells us how God does things. And the Bible says this in John 11, verse 43. Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot, picture that, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loosen him and let him go. It says he was bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was covered with a cloth. There's significance there. That means that nothing that binds you up and keeps you from fullness of life, nothing that trips you up as you try to follow Jesus, nothing that covers you up, keeps you hidden from the rest of the world, none of that can withstand the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. When you gave your life to Christ, the Bible says He brought you from death into life, just like Lazarus. You were brought from death into life, but there's still things in life that keep you from fulfillment in your life. And as we read a moment ago, Jesus said, I came to give you fullness of life. But there are things that bind us up, that hold us back, that restrict us, that keep us from finding or reaching our full potential in life. These are things that still trip us up as we try to follow Jesus. Jesus. Old ways of thinking and behavior patterns and addictions and all that stuff. Masks that we still still wear. Jesus says, I want to set you free from all of this stuff. It's not just enough that I'm bringing you from death into life, but I want to bring you into freedom. And He does this through His people. Now if you look back up at the text again in John 11, look toward the end. It says, Jesus said to them. Who's them? That's the followers, the disciples. Jesus said to his followers, you loosen him and you let him go. Jesus does it through his people. That's why small group life is so important. That's why it's important for all of us to be in relationships with other followers of Christ. That's what Celebrate Recovery. That's why that's so important. It's about people helping other people to walk in freedom. And to get free from the things that hold us back and that trip us up and that cover us up. Jesus said to His followers, you loosen Him and let Him go. You notice He doesn't say loosen and then wrap Him back up and hold another bunch of stuff again. The Bible says in Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's not to bind us up and restrict us as some religious in heart would think. Jesus says if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that's what Derek sang about earlier. He said happy are the pure in heart, not the religious in heart. Well, you say that sounds great. But how is it possible to actually have a pure heart? Because I know me, and when I look around, I don't see a lot of purity going on. And first, it's important to understand that you cannot make your own heart pure. Good behavior does not purify your heart. You can't just say, I'm going to clean up my act, I'm going to behave, and I'm going to have a pure heart. Good behavior does not purify the heart, but a pure heart will change your behavior. Repentance is not what you do in order to earn forgiveness. Repentance is what you do because your forgiveness has already been paid for. Romans 5 verse 8 says, While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the only way to have a pure heart is through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for your sins. Purity of heart is the gift of God's grace. You don't earn it. You don't buy it. The only way to get a pure heart is to surrender. Give your life to Christ. Let Him forgive you of your sins and purify your heart to give you this pure heart. And that's what the commitment choice was all about. That's what Chris talked about last week. You commit your life to Christ, you receive His gift of forgiveness and of a pure heart. This is how God sees you right now. He sees you right now as having a pure heart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person has become, not will become, has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And Jesus says happy or blessed are the pure in heart because they will see God. You're still going, I don't quite see how this is possible yet. How can I have a pure heart when there's all this stuff? All this stuff that's still in my, in my life, how is that possible? Because quite honestly, my mind is dirty. My hands are dirty. My mouth is dirty. But do you think you're the only person in this place who still doesn't have to fight against temptation? You think you're the only person in this place who doesn't still lose his temper or do things you shouldn't say? Or think things that you shouldn't think? There's not a person in this room who doesn't still have to fight temptation, confess, and repent. We are all in the exact same boat. This is so important for us to understand. The basis for a pure heart is not how good you've been. The basis for a pure heart is how good God is. It's not how good you've been. It's how good God is. It's based on God's character, not yours. It's based on God's actions, not yours. It's based on God's goodness, not yours. Your good behavior does not purify your heart, but a pure heart will change your behavior. So my question is, what does your heart want? Deep down inside, what does your heart want? Do you want to see God in your life? And I think you do, because you're here today, unless you were drugged here by somebody. The very fact that you're here today is a reflection of a deep desire in your heart to have a relationship with God. And to make things right in your life that are not right because it's tiring carrying around this baggage in our lives, the mess that we've made in our lives, the way that we've hurt people, that we've hurt ourselves. Psalm 139 says, You have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and You know all about me. God knows everything about you. He knows that you want to be free. He knows that you don't want this sin in your life. He knows that you want Him to purify your heart. And the only way to do it is to surrender to Him. He promises if you surrender, He will purify your heart. Then you will see God in your hands and in your feet and in your mind and through your eyes and your mouth and just the way that you live your life. You will see God in and through your life as He develops the character of Christ in you. That's when you finally begin to see God in your life. It doesn't happen overnight. This is a process. It's a lifelong process, but you have a role to play in that process. And so do everybody else in here has a role to play in that process. Your role is to surrender. You practice what you already know. You don't worry about what you don't know yet. You practice what you already know. Your role is to cooperate with God in becoming what you already are. I know that sounds a little weird at the moment. But the Bible says in Romans 4 verse 17, God calls things that were not as though they were. He sees you right now in Christ as having a pure heart. So you are cooperating with Him in becoming what you already are. I know that's still confusing. Let me, let me explain it a little bit here now. Let me give you a word picture. I know a lady who's a gardener. An amazing gardener. She has what they call a green thumb. She has a hundred rose bushes in her yard. They always start from a bare root. A bare root, if you've never seen one, we're going to get a picture up here. Well, that wasn't really what I was thinking about with a bare root, but we'll work with this picture. But a bare root is a little stick... In a clump of dirt. And that's what I see. I see her take this little stick and clump of dirt, and she puts it in the ground. She sees the future. She sees what it is. She sees the rose bush. She sees the colors. She can smell the fragrance of the flowers. She sees the bouquet that she's going to make with this. She already sees it. She already sees its future. She calls things that are not as though they were. I see the stick in the ground. I see the freaking little weed. And it looks like a nothing. And she sees the future. She knows what it's going to look like. Let me give you another word picture here. In Florence, Italy, is Michelangelo's David. I think we got a picture up there. It's a censored picture. I wanted to be able to teach again one of these days, so And the story behind this magnificent sculpture is that Michelangelo said, when asked, "How did you do that?" he said, "I just cut away everything that wasn't David." The rest of us always sees a big block of stone. We see an ugly rock, but the master, Michelangelo, saw David in there. He cut away everything that wasn't David. So David became what he was already in the mind of the Creator. And it's the same process with us. It's the same process with you. God has already declared your heart as pure. He already sees you in Christ as having a pure heart. Now you cooperate with Him in the process of becoming what you are. The cutting away, the getting rid of the things that bind you up and that trip you up and that cover you up. And God does it through His people. He just wants you to cooperate with Him and let Him do it. And if you fall down in the process, you get back up. And if you fall down again, you get up again. And if you fall down again, you get back up again. This is where God's people come in. You need people around you who love you who loved the Lord, to help you get back up on your feet again and to keep you moving in the right direction. That's what Celebrate Recovery Again is so powerful. That's what we do. When you fail, when you sin, when you fall, you confess it, you repent, and you move forward. But the way things tend to be, and I have a feeling it's probably like this for a lot of us, is when you mess up, You want to hide from God. You can't read your Bible, because then you'd be a hypocrite, so you don't go to church. You feel guilty, so you want to hide. But don't ever let sin keep you from God. When you do that, you're just playing into the devil's hands. He wants to separate you from God. He wants to isolate you from fellowship. Don't ever let sin keep you from God. Sin should drive you to God. Because that's the only place you're going to find forgiveness and mercy and hope and healing and the strength to get back up again and move forward. So when you sin, don't run from God. The Bible says He promises forgiveness in 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So don't misunderstand me. God's not soft on sin. He's not some old man winking his eye just saying, you know, this is not a big deal. Because it is a big deal. It's what separates us from Him. It's the reason that Jesus had to die on the cross. God hates sin, but He loves us. He loves you. And He promises to forgive you and to make your hearts pure. So don't run from God when you sin. Run to God. And receive forgiveness and the strength to get up and to keep moving forward. Because we all mess up. We've all done things that we regret. There's only been one perfect person that's ever walked this planet and it's right there. Mikey! Mikey! Chris leaves and people just go crazy around here. But I want to get back to this fourth choice again. This idea of examining our hearts and confessing our sins. Lamentations says, let us search and try or test our ways and turn again to the Lord. Why does the Lord want us to search our ways? Why does He want us to search our hearts for? Why does He want us to take this kind of inventory? And I think that there's a couple reasons why this is. One is that I can't understand the fullness of God's forgiveness until I realize how undeserving I am. Luke 7 verse 47 says, He who has been forgiven little, loves little. So it would be equally true that he who has been forgiven much, loves much. If I don't see the wound, then I won't recognize the healing. If I don't see the sin, then I won't see the forgiveness. If I don't see the need and how desperate I am, then I won't see or recognize the miracle when it takes place in my life. But I think there's a second reason for this kind of heart search also. And it's because so much of our continuing struggles that we have, so much of our behaviors now are tied to poor choices that we've made somewhere in the past. They're the results of things either that we did or that were done to us. And those are the things that shape our character. They shape our behavior. They still shape our lives. And those are the things that, yeah, they've been forgiven, but they still need to be dealt with. They still need to be taken away. We need to be unwrapped from our grave clothes from the things that are restricting us, that are holding us back from fullness of life. There are hurts that still have to be healed, habits that need to be broken, and hang-ups that we just have to get over. And God will do this. The Bible says in Philippians 1, verse 6, He who began the good work in you is faithful, and He will complete the work He started in you. And He wants to do it in your life and He wants you to cooperate with Him. Now you may think, well, if it's all been forgiven, then why can't I just carry on and just go my merry way? And unfortunately, it just does not work that way. The Bible says this in Philippians 2, verse 12, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. You work out what God is working in. There needs to be, in your life, the demonstration on the outside of what God is doing on the inside. Just like the roses that show the new character of that little stick. Or David emerging from all that stuff that gets cut away. God wants that. He wants that beautiful work of art in your life so that the rest of the world can look at it and say, I need that in my life. good friend of mine and former worship leader here, Isaac Pellerin, is here today. And uh, and I just think, when I say that, I think a lot about Isaac. I've seen Isaac do so many things for me and so many things for other people, where he was demonstrating on the outside, by his actions, what God was doing on the inside. And I remember I used to look at Isaac and I would say, I need that. That is what I want in my life. And as I said a moment ago, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. I was talking to a guy just a few weeks ago, a friend of mine who started coming to this church just a little over a year ago. And I could see as he was talking, I could see the wonderful, tremendous progress that this guy has made in just one year. But in his mind, all he could see was everything that still had to be done. He said, it's like everything I try to deal with, God just dumps something else on me. One thing after another, it's like he's building this case against me. And I had to help him see that God isn't piling anything on you. He's taking stuff off. You know that anger? God's saying, I want to help you with that anger. I've got people around you who can help you with that. And as he deals with that, he sees something underneath that was causing that. And God says, well, let's deal with this behavior now. And as he deals with that, something else emerges. It's not God piling it on it's God taking it off. Back to me in my house cleaning. I got a closet in my house. That definitely wasn't my house, that picture he showed. It may have been one of my closets, though. But I've got a closet that's just got a lot of stuff piled in there, and you just got to be really careful as you open it and you close the door. And I don't really know what all's in there. But once you get in there and once you take something, off, then I see something else that's under there. I didn't see what was under there until I took something off of it. So I take something off, then I see, there's Chris Bunch's Air Supply album that he's been looking for. (sighs) Chris loves Air Supply. I don't know if you guys know that. They just played Emmons last week. As part of his fan club membership, he got to be in the front. And he had his little cell phone out when Lost in Love was going I just want to give him a little noogie. But our lives are like that. Once something is exposed or taken off, then something else is exposed. We see that there's that anger. Or there's, there's my pride right there. There's that problem. Or there's my battle with lust again. I see that now. God doesn't want to load you down with guilt. He wants to free you up from guilt. He's setting you free. He's bringing you into freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I had to help my friend understand this whole process. We cannot heal a wound until we expose it and we cleanse it. Now I know there may be some here that say, you know, all this stuff sounds really nice, but you've got to understand the kind of stuff that I'm dealing with. You don't know my past. You don't know my present. You don't know the guilt that I carry. You don't know the things that I've done and that maybe I'm still doing. There are some of us right here that are living with a painful, painful memory of something that somebody may have done to us before or that we have done. A horrible memory of things in your life. They bury you in guilt, paralyzes you in guilt, You might be addicted to something right now. There could be old ways of thoughts, old behavior patterns that continue to creep into your life. And you've tried over and over again to get free. You're going, this isn't working for me. I've tried this way too many times. It's too late for me. Every time I make the promise to God that I'm going to behave myself, I'm going to clean up a little bit, I fail. Then I promise again, and I fell again. And that may work for other people, but it's just not working for me. And I'm here to tell you, it is never too late. If you think you're too sinful for God, you are just what He's looking for. Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, I came to seek and to save the lost. You are exactly what He's looking for. He has come to set you free. He's come to heal you and to make your life right. And you cannot come to grips with God's forgiveness until you come with grips with how much you need Him to forgive you. The longer I walk with Christ, the more convinced I am that I need a Savior. God help me if I ever get to a point where I think that I've finally arrived. When the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 28, let a man examine himself. And it does not say, let a man examine his neighbor. It says, let him examine himself. And when you honest, honest to goodness, examine yourself, the only conclusion that you can come up with is that you need a Savior. You cannot do this on your own. But God promises forgiveness when you come to Him with an open heart. God isn't asking you to make a promise that you can't keep. He's asking you to receive a promise that only He can keep. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God promises forgiveness. He never breaks a promise. He cares about you and He wants to bring you freedom and wholeness. Not just to bring you from death into life, but death into life in its fullness. That's the pathway, the process to get there. Happier the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you want a pure heart? Do you want to see God at work in your life? In your family, in your household, in your business, in your friendships, in your relationships? Do you want to see God there? Do you want that kind of freedom? Then you have to let the Lord set you free. John 8, verse 36 says, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And it begins with being honest to God. When you know the truth, it'll set you free. It begins with examining your life and admitting your faults to yourself, to God and to the people that you trust, and allowing them to help you through the healing process. Now look at these next two verses. The Bible says this in Psalm 32. The psalmist had been wrestling with his guilt and hiding from God. We get to verse 5 and he says this, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All of my guilt is gone. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I know that I've given you a lot to think about so far. And I know, like I said to begin with, that this is some heavy stuff. We haven't... Laughed a whole lot in this service. Could be I'm not real funny, but I don't know. But this is some heavy stuff. And I just want you to think about this idea of becoming what you already are, of stepping into freedom, of how God wants to set you free from things that are still holding you back and tripping you up. The things that you continue to hide behind. And I know this kind of honesty with yourself. And with God and with other people can be scary. And I'm definitely not denying that. But remember, it says perfect love casts out fear. And I want you to know how deeply God loves each and every one of you here today. If you understand that He loves you, you do not have to be worried about this. Why be afraid of God when He loves you? Don't be afraid of the consequences. They've been paid for. Step into the freedom... That God offers you. Now today we are going to celebrate communion together. Communion is a time that we remember Jesus came to this world to build a relationship with us. Went to the cross and took on all of our sins. All of our fears. He paid for all these things that we still hold on to. Today has been about the house cleaning choice confessing to ourselves, to God and to someone that we trust. Derek is going to be coming up here and he's going to lead us in a song. And I just want you to stay seated while he's playing at first. Take a moment and just kind of reflect a little bit. And in your mind, I just want you to kind of examine yourself. Examining the things that you may be doing that are tripping you up or holding you back. Maybe something that's causing problems in your life. Causing problems in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids or your parents. Maybe your relationship with God. Then I want you to go to one of these tables. There's four set up around the gym. Oh, I don't have any bread. Oh yeah, it is. There we go. Thought the worship band got up here and got hungry. I invite you to tear off a piece of bread. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Dip it in the juice. the blood of Christ shed for you. And then know that you're forgiven, and know that you are loved. And when you're done, I want everybody to go back to their seats so we can close in celebrating the fact that today we start doing our part in helping God make our hearts pure. So let's spend some time now connecting with the one who knows you best and loves you most.
1: Making the way back to the seats, I should encourage you to uh, stand with us once again. And we're just going to sing this song uh, together. And just asking God for a holy heart and a pure heart. Um, because He's the only one that can give it to us.
0: God, we just thank you for loving us enough to to die. To die on the cross, a painful death on the cross for our sins. Let us each understand the depths of how much you love us and how much you long for a relationship and how much you long to purify our hearts. And as we just took communion... We understand what was sacrificed, what was what was broken and what was shed for our sins to be forgiven. For these things that we still hold on to, that we still trip over, you have already forgiven us. You have done your work. Now it is time for us to do ours. Thank you, God, for being an amazing God and for loving us that much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a great week. Know that you are loved in this place. If anybody wants to talk, I will be up here at the front.